0: Genesis chapter 3, we are starting a new study called Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek. We'll, it, we'll be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 tonight. want to introduce the study as we begin this new series of messages, talking about instances in the Bible where we tend to hide and seek things in the world when really we're supposed to be hiding in Christ and seeking him. What it comes down to is that oftentimes we hide because of fear. We're running away from God, running away because we have shame, hidden sin, whatever it is. We often hide and cover things up. And that's what we're going to be talking about through this entire study. What we're going to be talking about, and you can put in this one sentence you maybe saw on Instagram, is that only Jesus can place you where nothing can shake you. Because when you look for shelter, when you look to hide, the place in which you hide or the thing that you look to cover up will always be weaker than the place that Jesus can bring you or the things that God can give you. That's the whole idea. When we tend to shrink back in fear, the things that we use to pacify ourselves, make ourselves feel better, they're often, I mean always, weaker than what God can supply. So here's a a verse to kind of like, put that in a nice little package psalm 32 verse 6 says for this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you that is god in a time when you god may be found surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him you god are my hiding place you shall preserve me from trouble you shall surround me with songs of deliverance i'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go and god says i will guide you with my eye so realizing that God can be your hiding place. You don't have to hide from God. He, can, he himself can be your hiding place. So tonight we're going to be talking about the first message, which I've entitled, Covering Up Our Shame. Covering Up Our Shame. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 3. That in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. The eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray. Lord, as we just read a large portion of passage, we pray that you would speak to us clearly. That we leave here with instruction on how to be more like you and a filling of your Holy Spirit. So we thank you and praise you. Help us to release ourselves from condemnation, that you would cover up our shame tonight, in Jesus' name, Amen. People of all ages value transparency. You probably hope that I'm not a phony, like I'm not one way here and then I go off and I just go party and like that would that'd be messed up, right? Like if you knew that I came up here, taught you messages, and said be sober. don't get drunk. And then I would go off and just party with all my friends and get drunk and wasted. And then somehow that like leaked out. You'd be a little disappointed, wouldn't you? Even if you're drinking. Even if you're like sleeping around with people, if you found out I was doing that, you'd be a little disappointed. Even if you yourself were living that way. Because the difference is you would feel like I'm not being authentic. So we value authenticity. We value being real, transparent. And that's often what you're looking for because you think that everybody's a fake. Your teachers are a fake. Your parents are a fake. Your friends are fake. Everybody's fake. And you feel that way, large in part, because there are areas of your life that you're faking. There's areas that you are covering up. There are things that you are hiding deep down inside and hoping that nobody finds out. There's a fear of being exposed. So it's kind of like this double-mindedness, right? So we value being authentic, but no one can live to be just truly who they are by themselves. So what do we do with that? That's what we're talking about tonight. What does it mean to truly be who you are meant to be? What does it mean to be real? Oftentimes, we don't like the real us because the real us is embarrassing. Right? And and it can even be like, just think of a really practical, silly example think about like the fact that when you go home with your parents you talk in a different voice with your parents than you do with probably like your friends and your friend's parents right and and your parents call these things that are probably embarrassing there's there's like entire areas of your life that no one else has really seen before and it's kind of just like oh just don't do that it's kind of uh, even like your parents say like hey i'll I'll walk inside and say hi to your friend's parents don't do that please (laughs) No, i'll do anything i'll clean my room for the rest of my life you know like, hopefully you move out eventually. Like, 31 is a great age to move out of your parents' house. But hopefully, hopefully at some point in time, we can get to a place where we're like, I'm proud of who I am. Is that, That's what you really want, right? But how do you get there? So is there like some this this obtainable goal out there? And you're saying, this is the real me, and one day I'll be like that. The real Alan works out all the time, the real Alan gets A's on every test. The real Alan goes home, and he, like, reads the Bible for five hours and then prays for all of his friends and then sees miracles. That's the real Alan. And then people are going to come come over to my house, like, hang out, and they'll be like, whoa, Alan, I did not know you were this spiritual. I'm like, yes, well, much more spiritual than you see because there are many hidden things where I pray in my secret prayer closet over there. I'm like, well, I lose my reward, but that's okay. I don't even need the rewards because that's how holy I am, right? So there's like this ideal you. makes no mistakes. But then you think about it like, well, that's kind of impossible to be that me. And so social media, we talk about all the time, right? You put out, this is who I am, this is who I want to be, and you're like projecting yourself. When you're with certain people, this is who I want to be. When you're with your parents, this is who I want to be. Your friends' parents, this is who I want to be. Social media, I want to be this. We're always trying to like project like, this is who I really want to be. And praying one day we actually become that person and then we can be authentic. But what happens when that authentic person is exposed? What do you tend to do? Do you hide? Are you suddenly filled with shame, embarrassment when someone catches you? When you're hanging out with your Christian friends from your Christian school and you're so used to cursing around your public school friends and then your Christian friends hear you actually curse. They're like, whoa, hold on, buddy. I've never heard you curse before. And you're like, oh, snap. Or maybe you even curse in that moment, too, right? Like, oh no. And it's like, so now your friends feel like you're a fake. You're deceptive. What do you do when it seems like you're exposed? The very first couple, Adam and Eve. They did something they were not supposed to do. They ate of this tree. They ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By eating of that tree, what, what, the, what were they doing? They were disobeying God's command. You can eat any tree in this garden, anyone you want, except for one tree. And that is the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. So they did. You can blame Satan, you can blame Eve, you can blame everybody, right? But at some point, you got to take personal responsibility. I did something wrong. So they ate of the tree. They realized, oh, man, I messed up. So now they're hiding from God. And what's so scary about this is that God, it seems in this passage, it says that he was walking in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day. Right? So some people think that's like an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. That in a physical form, Jesus was walking in the garden. you imagine like having that fellowship with God? And then God says to Adam, hey, where are you? Calling out to Adam. Not like God really doesn't know where Adam is, right? But giving him an opportunity. Because he knew there was something that was broken. That fellowship. That relationship. There's something off. Some of you have relationships like this, right? You know that your friends are hiding something. And it's just like weird. They're like acting funny around you out of nowhere. They're like you're just spending time with them. Are you okay? Yeah. Is there anything wrong? Nah, no, nothing's wrong. You know there's something wrong. Here, God is saying, Where are you, Adam? Giving him an opportunity. And Adam comes out and says, I was afraid and I hid. And this is where you see the breakdown of that relationship between God and Adam. He was exposed. Everything that he was doing came into the light. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that place of sin, covered in shame? Well, Adam and Eve did two things that we're going to cover tonight. Number one is that they were cowering, and then number two is that they were covering. So cowering and covering. First of all, we have cowering. Look at verse 8 again. So it says... They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the, gar- the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Okay. Here is a really profound thought. I did not think about this until yesterday, Okay. Why was Adam hiding from God? Just think about that for a second. We just read the passage. Why was Adam hiding from God? Naturally, you would think for it to be, Adam felt really bad because he ate the fruit, he disobeyed, and so now he's embarrassed and he's hiding from God. It doesn't say that. It says Adam said he was afraid. Why? Because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay, kind of awkward. I know we're in high school, but like, Adam's afraid. So think about that. Adam's afraid because he's naked, and he hid himself from God because he was naked. Why? Just kind of like wrap your mind around that. Like God knows everything. God sees everything. He's naked, and that's the reason why he's afraid. Okay, how does that make sense? Because it doesn't seem like he's afraid because he was in sin. He disobeyed. He was afraid because he was naked. How How does this make sense at all? Well, here's the thing. There was a specific sin that Adam committed. It wasn't just disobedience, right? He ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means there was a need to cover himself. Every other animals, I mean, like, hate to break it to you. It's kind of weird if you think about it. Don't think about it too much. Animals are naked, okay? Human beings wear clothes. The first thing Adam and Eve did when they realized that they had sinned is that they covered themselves with fig leaves. They, like, made their own, like, fig leaf suits, okay? By doing that, the reason why they did that is because they had this new knowledge. They knew the difference between good and evil. Now, being naked means that everything is out in the open, which means there's potential for true intimacy, but there's also potential to be exploited. Think about that for a second. When you are vulnerable with somebody else, there's potential to be close with somebody else. But there's also potential to be exploited. So now, think about this. Knowing there's a capacity for evil, how do I I know I can trust you? Especially when people exploit other people. Revenge porn is a real thing. Where people take pictures of other people's sensitive images that they never intended to go to anybody else, and they use it in a hateful way to demean and ex- exploit the other person. Sharing your passwords, something that you should never do. Everyone says, don't share your passwords with anyone. But you're like, well, I trust this person. But that person can do great damage to you by taking your passwords, logging your information, stealing your information, taking your bank account information, all those different things. Sharing secrets. There's a part of you that says, I, I feel like I need to share this thing with this person. But you're always afraid, Right? Like, I was just talking to somebody about this today. Like, there's the need to tell someone, all right, don't tell anybody. You trust them, but you just need to make sure they know. Don't tell anybody. This is a secret. Because secrets, although there's a potential for intimacy, wow, that person trusts me. There's, at the same time, the potential to be exploited, used, or abused. So, how do we know that we can trust each other? How do we know that we can even trust God with all of who we are. So here's the point. Sin ruins intimacy because sin ruins trust. Sin ruins intimacy because sin ruins trust. Satan said, right before Eve ate of the fruit, wait, hold on, God said that if you eat of this fruit, you're gonna die? You're not gonna die? Come on, you believe God that you're gonna die? I promise you you're not gonna die. Shade of the fruit, I'm still alive. Okay, well, maybe Satan was right. How do I know I can trust God? God has enormous amounts of power. It seems to me that God, if you want to do, could be a really bad God. I don't know if I can trust God. Seems like people in this room, they have a lot of power and potential. Seems like if I trust them with, with sensitive information or who I am, secrets, it seems like they can exploit me or take advantage of me. So this results in hiding from God and blocking intimacy with each other. So what do you do when your parents go through your text messages, without asking your permission, by the way, look through your Snapchats, and they find things that are completely embarrassing, completely shameful. What do you do when you're caught smoking stuff you shouldn't smoke, they find things in your bedroom, they find a bottle. What do you do when you're exposed? When the shame is brought out? Here's the thing, it's pointless to try to hide from God. This is silly. Adam's hiding from God? God created the entire world. And he sees everything. He knows everything. Why even try to hide from God? Here's the thing that results as Here's the thing that comes as a result from hiding from God. A loss of fellowship. A loss of relationship. You don't gain anything from hiding from God. The only thing that you gain is actually a loss. A loss of that closeness and a loss of that intimacy. Because you're putting up a barrier between you and God. But this is where David, remember when he was sitting with Bathsheba? He had this hidden sin. He wasn't going to tell anybody. He had this cover-up where Satan, Satan, sorry, David, David was sitting on his pedestal right there in the castle he looked down he saw Bathsheba he lusted and he desired her even though she was already married to somebody else so you guys know the story he had Uriah who was her husband one of his mighty men come up and he said well you know what i'm going to try to get him drunk i'm going to try to get him to sleep with his wife and he didn't do any of those things and even when he got drunk he still didn't go home he said i'm going to stay here in the castle i can't go out and stay with my wife when my friends are in battle, right? And so all those different things, like, oh, well, how am I gonna do this? Sled with Bathsheba, try to cover it up, and then he thought when he killed Uriah, that it would all be gone until Nathan the prophet went up to David and exposed his sin and exposed his shame to him. Don't ever think that you're safe just because no human being knows. God knows. And listen, sometimes God might even put on your parents' heart. Like, the Holy Spirit is real. Moms, sometimes, if we didn't believe in God, I would probably believe they're psychic, to be honest. Moms know everything. And there will be times that you think that nobody else knows. Nobody knows what I'm going through. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will put it on your parents' heart, your youth leader's heart, your friend's heart. Say, there's something off. There's something wrong. And in those moments, what do you do? You try to cover it up, sow fig leaves, or... Do you try to hide from God, a loss of fellowship and relationship with him? What is your result of your actions when you find yourself cowering? The second thing is covering. Look at verse 6. So, it says verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gets her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So for us, being naked is being vulnerable. And so they covered up themselves to protect themselves. But listen, listen very carefully. The layers that we cover on top of our sin, on top of our shame, are the very thing that push people out of our lives and push people out of true intimacy with us. So there was a time when I was a junior in high school. I was pretty skinny. Um, I remember I said, in order to really, like, because I didn't feel like, um, let me back up a story. I had a really high-pitched voice all of high school up until junior year. I still kind of have, like, a high voice, but I really like look like, like right now I look like I'm 20 even though I'm 30. When I was in high school, imagine this. I looked like I was probably 10 when I was 15. That's probably why I didn't have a girlfriend all throughout high school. They're all like, oh, you cute little boy. You know, I'm 15, date me. You know, it's awkward. So like what I decided to do is, all right, I'm gonna work out every single day until I gain muscle and then people find me attractive. That is a version of covering it up, and you guys might do that too. The real motivation for you working out or you trying to be good at a sport is because you're trying to impress somebody so that you feel like you're valuable. Or maybe your version of covering up is jumping from relationship to relationship because you think a single you is not a valuable you. So you need to be in a relationship so that someone can consistently say, I love you, I like you, you're beautiful, you're amazing, And the minute that you're out of a relationship, you can't help but rebound because you constantly can't stand to be by yourself. Maybe your version of covering up is lashing out in anger. So it's like a protection mechanism. You're so so used to people being passive or completely angry, and so you lash out in anger so that nobody gets close to you. You actually try to ruin good relationships. Because you're afraid of people getting close to you and seeing who you really are. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's beauty. Shame of all sorts causes us to sow. So when you are embarrassed, when you are ashamed, what is it that is your natural default? What do you naturally do? How do you compensate when you feel like you're worthless, when you feel like you're weak, when you're ugly, you're not beautiful? You're poor. But the thing is, the covers that we put on are never able to truly protect us. You'll never be strong enough. You'll never be beautiful enough. You'll never be smart enough, rich enough, famous enough. All of these things are temporary protection that's not able to give you actually what you need. So fig leaves, the things that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves were most likely really itchy, really uncomfortable, and not really, to be honest. Hopefully you haven't tried this. Like if you're trying to make clothes, I don't know about you, but like I don't think if we went outside and took a whole bunch of leaves, put them together and tried to sew them together, it would be very effective at anything. Covering anything up, keeping you warm. Leaves are not meant to do that. So the only thing they were trying to do is just immediately compensate so that people wouldn't see who they really are. And maybe that's what you do your natural tendency is to cover up so that nobody sees who you really are so what's the solution just get over it be vulnerable and so you're saying to me that if my insecurity is that I feel like I'm worthless feel that I'm ugly feel that I'm dirty feel like I can't be trusted I just get over it and start trusting other people with all my stuff I should go up to some person tonight and say, hey, by the way, you didn't know this about me, but I've done these 10 terrible things. Hey, God, by the way, I don't know if I can trust you, but I guess I'll give my life to you and, and serve you the rest of my life. Just get over it? No, actually, here's the solution. Very important. Look at verse 21. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Here's the solution. God Himself provided appropriate clothing to cover Adam and Eve. And the clothing that He provided, actually, if you think about it, is a picture of Jesus. An animal had to die to be sacrificed so that they could be covered. And in the same way, Jesus Christ died for you so that you would have the ultimate covering of His blood, His sacrifice, and His love over every one of your sins, every one of your insecurities. And now your insecurities suddenly become a strength. Suddenly your weakness becomes a strength. Suddenly the very things that you said, like, this was what disqualifies me, this is the thing that will keep me away from people, is the very thing that God uses to reach people. That's the story of the Bible. God takes weak people and makes them strong. God takes the despised people of the world and makes them strong completely confound the wise that's what god loves to do so the very thing that you think is a weakness is something that god has put in you to be a strength to be able to reach other people which is crazy to think about but that's the power of Jesus' love and that's the power of his covering and so the answer is not just get over it the answer is not just push it away and just forget about it the answer is look to jesus to cover you so when the voices of the enemy come in And say that you're worthless, you know that's absolutely not true. Even if another human being never loved you ever again. There's an infinite God who became a man to prove to you that you're not worthless. Jesus Christ gave everything for you. And because of that, you can trust him. So here's the thing. There's ultimate freedom in that because there's nothing about you that could be uncovered that Jesus Christ hasn't already died for. Think about that. So when you have your deep, dark secrets, you're like, oh, no. If I said this to this person, if I told this person that I actually made out with their boyfriend once a long time ago, like, they would never forget me. They'll hate me for the rest of my life. Like, you have those things, right? But then think about this. There's nothing... Ever about you that could be brought into light that Jesus Christ hasn't already said yes to. Yes, I see that. Yes, I still love that person. Yes, I see you for who you really are, and I love you. So we're perfectly known and perfectly accepted at the same time. Genesis chapter 4 verse 13 says this, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account so this is what truly gives us freedom to be able to say i don't care what people say about me i don't care what people know about me because they can't use it against me they literally can't do anything to me because i know i'm perfectly loved and perfectly accepted and there's nothing that people can do to thwart god's plans for my life there's no person that's clever enough to to completely change the course that god has for my life there's no one who can outsmart God. There's no one who can talk to God and be like, oh, by the way, but God, did you know that they did this one thing and that's why you shouldn't use them? There's nothing. You're perfectly loved and perfectly accepted. And it's just about accepting his free sacrifice, accepting his covering upon you so you can have that relationship with him. But then the last type of covering we need to talk about as well is in verse 12. It says, the man said... After God says, so who told you you were naked? The woman whom you gave to beam with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So two things there. First of all, God says to them, who told you you were naked? Oftentimes you realize the things that are said to you are not from God but they're from the enemy. Like there is an actual enemy of your soul who tries to say things to you. And sometimes I think he uses people to say those things to you. Like those aren't like, like the Holy Spirit fills people up and says, hey, why don't you go up to that person, make fun of them and talk about that thing that they did like five years ago and make them feel terrible. That's not God, that's of the world, okay? So realizing where the voice comes from is really helpful because then you can pick and choose which voice you're supposed to listen to. Because the person who thinks that they know you doesn't really. Because God, who knows everything about you even more than any other person on the planet does and you should believe what he says about you. Anything that anybody knows about you is always superficial. Because they don't know what you're thinking. They don't know your heart. But in the best way, God even knows it's even worse than what they thought but still loves you anyway. So that's the first thing. The second thing is complaining and blame shifting. Another type of covering is that we'll always point to other people. Well, it's my dad's fault because he left me. It's my mom's fault because she always yells at me. It's my brother's fault because he makes me angry, annoyed. It's my ex-boyfriend, my ex-girlfriend. It's this person. God, it's your fault. It's the woman that you gave me. You know, like, we wouldn't have this problem if you didn't even give me this woman to deceive me. Why didn't you give me a better woman? Maybe it's your fault, right? That attitude will always be in insufficient type of covering and here's why because when you refuse to recognize that it's your own personal sin it can never be covered by jesus's blood there will always be the outstanding offense if you're not willing to say tonight okay god i am wrong it's not everybody else's fault it's my heart i'm at fault i am wrong unless you're willing to do that there can never be forgiveness for your sins There can never be the reconciliation that you need. Because here's the thing. There will always be infinite amounts of excuses on the outside world and how everyone's mistreated you, how it's your upbringing, it's your economic status, it's the friends around you, it's the enemies around you, it's the bullies, it's everybody else's fault. You can do that all of your life, but at some point you got to say, I am contributing to the problem. And unless you do that, you will never be able to be filled from the inside out. You're always going to be blaming. You're always going to be unhappy. You're always going to be complaining. Because you don't realize the problem is from inside. But once you say, no, it was my fault, then guess what? Then Jesus can cover you instead of you always bringing down other people. So in conclusion tonight, just as this introductory message is all about being real, being authentic, and being okay... With knowing that there are some things that you've done wrong because Jesus is the one who makes it right. The right response to shame is not to ignore it or cover it up, it's not cowering or covering, it's allowing Jesus to be the one who covers it with his love. It's allowing Jesus to come into your life. He's always the solution. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. If you're afraid of God, if you're afraid of people finding out, you're afraid of the future, afraid of exploitation, the good news is you don't have to be because Jesus did all that for you and loves you despite that. And even if you think about it, you don't even have to fear being exploited for things to be uncovered because Jesus himself was uncovered. Like, even think about this. A lot of times when we think about Jesus on the cross, We have like, you know, we hear it so many times. We take communion. We have Easter. We have Christmas. You get desensitized to these things sometimes. And you're used to seeing Jesus on the cross and he's got the robe around. Jesus was naked on the cross. He was mocked. He was made fun of. All for things that he did not do at all. He was exploited so that you and I, though we might be exploited by men, we are accepted by God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So, what does that do for us as a result? That means instead of hiding from God, we can seek God because he he covers shame. Instead of running from God, because here's what people do. Because I'm a dirty person, because I'm a terrible person, because I'm a wrong person, I'm going to continue running from God and being around the people that I think I am. And you surround yourself with the people that you think you really fit in with And belong around. But when you recognize that Jesus Christ has died for you and you are now perfect in his sight. Now you can boldly approach the throne of God knowing you'll receive grace, receive everything, help in the time of need. You can go before God and say there's nothing about me that he won't accept. Because I'm covered by his blood. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So now you have the freedom to seek God. Now when you read the Bible, it's not... I really haven't read in a long time. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Let me just open up. And you're reading it like, yeah, I know. I did that wrong too. And it's just like a guilt trip. You don't have to. All of your sins are forgiven. You open up the Bible and you're like, okay. I am perfectly accepted. If I chose not to read the Bible today, God would still perfectly accept me. And I would still go to heaven. Wow. That's pretty intense. I cannot serve at Ulbridge Day and I still go to heaven. It's true. (laughs) Okay. I don't think anyone believed that you were going to hell because you didn't go to, yeah, you get it. You know what I'm saying. But it takes away this fear of, but what if there's something else? What if I do something else wrong? What if I mess up again? It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ, his covering is sufficient for past, present, and future sins. And so we can approach him and seek him. Let's pray.